0: it's Kelly here, and I thought I'd just give you a bit of an update with what's happening for Curveball over the summer break, and I do wish you all the best for a great Christmas. Look, thanks for your feedback on the first five episodes. If you haven't heard all of them, well worth going back and dipping into the ones you haven't heard. We've had great feedback about people like Kevin White, the big comedy agent, and some of the curveballs he's faced. Paul Scarra, wow, imagine... You know, grounding your entire fleet of aircraft in about 48 hours and having to deal with putting your company into administration. Uh, I hope you also enjoyed Michael Fox. He's the founder of Shoes of Prey, this really incredible startup where you can design your own shoes online. And they scaled all the way up so that they could uh, go into Nordstroms in the U.S. and they got venture capital funding and it was all looking fantastic. He moved to Santa Monica, but. Unfortunately, that fast growth strategy just doesn't always work out and suddenly the company started tanking. But, you know, he got right back on the horse with a brand new company called Fable Foods where he's making meat from mushrooms, It's this incredibly fantastic story. So if you haven't heard Michael Fox, please go back and listen to that. Um, we're taking a very short break, but we're going to bring you lots of tips over that summer period. So we're going to chunk up some great little pieces of advice for you and pop those in the feed for Curveball over the coming weeks. And we'll be back with brand new episodes uh, later in January. But this is the podcast that gives you a sneaky look inside a company at a really challenging time. Challenging times are the one thing 2020 has had an abundance of. Now most years Australian businesses jostle for a position in smart Company's annual smart 50 awards but pretty much like every other business around this year smart company realised that they might have to do a bit of a pivot. Isn't that the word of the year? So something a little bit different for you today in our bonus episode, you're going to hear from editor Eloise Keating from Smart Companies Inaugural Resilience Awards. We're going to tell you about the companies that just actually thrived or completely changed their business model this year. And I was so inspired by some of the amazing things Australian companies have done. So uh, stick around and we'll hear from the most resilient companies in Australia for 2020. Eloise, can you start by telling me about the Smart Company Awards you usually run?
1: So since Smart Companies started in around 2007, we've run the annual Smart 50 Awards, which is a list of 50 fast-growing, small and medium-sized businesses ranked by their financial growth. And by um, March, our conversation started to change about whether it would be appropriate to present business awards that were based on financial growth, there must be a better way to recognise businesses that have done amazing things this year and have grown in different ways and in ways that they may never have even anticipated.
0: I really love this idea of uh, rewarding resilience because, of course, that's the thing that all businesses have needed this year. And you chose four winners in different categories. I want to start with Stage King, who made um, quite the pivot from um, being a company that sets up staging. So, they were working with people like the Australian Grand Prix for the Formula One. They were doing the Ninja Warrior set, um, gearing up for the T20 World Cup for cricket as well. Suddenly, that was completely Completely gone. So how did they switch their business?
1: Within a couple of days, their whole business model had just been wiped out. All their business had been cancelled. They lost $4 million within those couple of days. But the founders, Jeremy and Tabitha Fleming, made an amazing pivot, quite unusual. They started designing and making uh, flat pack desks for people who've then the, who then were working from home. This is
0: the thing, um, right? This is why yeah. this is so fascinating because not only did they pivot their business model but very cleverly saw a need um, right at the beginning of COVID when everyone was moving to home that everyone needed these desks and they didn't want a big desk that was going to take up room forever. Mm. They just wanted a, mm. a kind of a compact thing they could pack up and down.
1: Yeah, and I think the incredible thing about Stage Kings is that they did – this pivot or redesigning their whole business model in 72 hours and anyone who runs a business knows that that is a huge feat to undertake but let alone to enter into a different market and a different sector that you've never operated in before. So Stage Kings were were previously a, a, a B2B business. Like you said, they were setting up the staging for big events and they were working with other businesses to do that. Now they're all of a sudden a B2C business. They're selling to consumers. So they also had to learn how to market those products to consumers. It's quite amazing though. They've now got up to um, 60 products in their range including wooden Christmas trees that people can assemble at home and they've sold 30,000 units of these new products that They've only been making for a matter of months, really.
0: One of the other things I found fascinating about Stage Kings was they really documented the process on their social media account. How mm. much do you think that made, sort of endeared them to customers? And customers thought, you know what, I want to help these guys out. They're having a tough time.
1: I think it's hugely important. And we've seen that time and time again this year that businesses that have been prepared to, you know, really open up and say, this is, this is what it is like for our business you know that that we're throwing everything that we can at this new thing to survive I think just collectively we're all responding to that openness and honesty this year because we've all gone through a really challenging time even in our own personal lives so then when you see a brand saying hey it's really hard or you know we're not sure if this is going to work but we're giving it a real crack I think it really resonates
0: Tell me about Work Healthy Australia, one of the other winners in your resilience awards. They um, usually have clinicians working on workplace injuries. So I imagine once the doors shut to many workplaces, they had to think hard about what to do.
1: Absolutely. So Work Healthy Australia is based in Gisborne, which is um, in uh, regional Victoria, not far out of Melbourne. But they had clinicians um, across the whole country and their clinicians were going into workplaces a lot in the um, meat processing industry to go in and help people assess workplace injuries and design programs for treatment. Obviously, that couldn't happen when all businesses needed to shut their doors to external contractors and particularly in those industries where there's food processing and manufacturing the health and safety risks were too high. So they really had to rethink how they could make the best use of their clinician's time and the founder and the management team made an explicit commitment to their team that they weren't going to let anyone go. So it was then about thinking, well, what can we ask people to work on? And through that process, they found some amazing skills that among their team that they didn't even know about. So some yeah. of these clinicians had um, app development skills, video production skills, graphic design that they've never done before in that business because that's not their day-to-day role. But because of this situation, the business was then able to make use of that and they took a project management approach and they've progressed their research and development they've teamed clinicians up with salespeople to go and you know make new deals for the business that kind of thing so it's really forced them to rethink how they've done things but with amazing results.
0: The winner in the community award was a Sunshine Coast cafe called The Good Place, um, which tries to do some community work. But of course, that would be quite tricky again when people can't sort of um, move around or access other businesses. But that only been open for a few weeks before the March lockdown. What happened?
1: Again, it's another really fascinating story. They'd been trading for two weeks before the restrictions came in. I think the interesting thing for the good place is they really thought hard about who their clientele is or would be if they were up and running and made a concentrated effort to to get to those people and in this case because it's a eatery that's around healthy food and a healthy lifestyle they recognized that people in the fitness industry were also facing challenges as well. So they reached out to um, people in the fitness industry and developed their sort of healthy ready-to-eat meals, um, which they sort of teamed up with, with people who weren't able to get to their gyms and that kind of thing. Um, but the cafe also, um, implemented a number of other sort of community initiatives. And really, it was a way to stay connected while they couldn't trade their brand new business. So one of those included a, um, a socially distanced beach clean activity where together, um, they collected 30 large garbage bags of rubbish from the local beach. And they put on a free coffee and some food for volunteers who took part in that as well. But that that
0: wouldn't be making them revenue, right? So is that more about just keeping their brand front of mind for consumers?
1: I think so. And and one of the founders, James McGovern, in his application for the award spoke about recognising that as a new business in a community, you need to spend that time making connections with local residents and other local people so um, it seems to me that that, that's what they prioritised and then once they were able to open their doors, it meant that those people already knew about them, knew what they stood for and, and were interested in coming and sitting down at their cafe.
0: I think the more that consumers are looking for that sort of more ethical approach from um you know the places they eat, the places they buy from, uh, the products that they um, you know look for, that that sort of tactic is actually quite clever. I'm also really interested in one of your other winners, which is a confectionery company in Sydney called Sticky. And I'm so keen to talk about what they did, particularly on TikTok.
1: I just love this story. Um, i'm I'm Personally, I'm quite obsessed with Sticky at the moment. <laughs> I just think it's brilliant. It's so Sticky. Um, been going for a long time. So they it was started in 2001, and it's a boutique lolly store in the Rocks in Sydney. And um, pre-COVID, you know, they their their business was foot traffic, obviously, from people in the local area, but also they um, you know made lollies for weddings and corporate events, like personalised sort of lollies. Obviously, when COVID hit. Um, that foot traffic disappeared but also those big events weren't happening as well and so this family business started live streaming making the confectory on facebook instagram youtube and one of the younger team members i believe encouraged them to try tiktok so um, the founder david king Um, He's in these videos making his confectionery on TikTok. So great.
0: You're literally just watching them make toffee or, you know, whatever it is. That's incredible.
1: It's brilliant. You you have to look up their Instagram account or their TikTok if you're on TikTok. It's 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 actually they describe it, um, the owners describe it as quite therapeutic watching them making these amazing handcrafted lollies and they've amassed 2.7 million followers on TikTok all wow. around the world. And I've heard David talk about um in the middle of the night, they'll have people over in America, or the other side of the world, logging off from their day of work, wanting to just relax and unwind, and they want to watch some videos of lollies being made.
0: <laughs> oh my goodness, there's some people with, their, with time on their hands. But I, I just love this idea of um, just innovating and moving in different directions. It's so clever. I think some of their social media accounts have even opened up new revenue streams in and of themselves.
1: That's right. So David spoke about in the application to our awards that these um, these live streams, they've been able to then place targeted and minimal advertising in some of these live streams that is then generating revenue for the business. And that is something that they would have never even contemplated before all this happened. So it's it's fascinating. Eloise, thank you so
0: much for shining a light on some of the more resilient companies, those who've dealt with huge curveballs this year. It's great to see Smart Company recognising those businesses.
1: Thanks, Kelly, for the opportunity. It's been great to talk about these businesses. And like I said, um, I'd encourage anyone to look them up on Instagram and see the amazing things they're doing.
0: Eloise Keating is the editor of Smart Company. Speaking there about the publication's inaugural Resilience Awards, you can find out more at smartcompany.com.au. I'm Kelly Reardon and this is Curveball. And if you want to hear about more amazing leaders and the resilience they've had to develop over the years, how they make decisions in really challenging times when absolutely everything is riding on it, then go back and binge the first five episodes of Curveball. You'll hear from Muesli Mogul, Carolyn Creswell, the country's biggest entertainment agent, Kevin White, school principal... Dr. Briony Scott, and of course, startup junkie and venture capital darling, Michael Fox. So please do subscribe so you don't miss the next episode. You can listen to Curveball on any podcasting app and you can find out more about the show at curveballshow.com and you can also suggest a guest there. If there's somebody fabulous who's just dealt with an amazing Curveball, please do let us know. You can also record a voice memo and email it to us if you have a great story to share with the Curveball audience. We're really keen to get that conversation going about how it's been going for you all over 2020. And look, I'll also update you on how I'm going with dead sets. Studios. Some of you have reached out to, uh, to wish me well on my journey as I start a brand new career. And I'm so grateful for those emails. They really lift me up. So I will give you an update on the highs and lows of that. There have been some curveballs, I have to tell you. And uh, we'll bring you a little update on that very soon as well.